word, and I'm going to begin by reminding us something that the Lord told us back in October. October the 9th of last year, the Lord spoke specifically to me and He said, we are entering a season that will require the walk of faith. Another depth of skill in walking in the Spirit. Now this isn't to bring fear. It is to to bring to us a recognition of what we need to prepare for. We are faith builders, so walking in faith is what we do. We're believers. The just shall live by faith. Amen? But we're going to gain skill so that as we walk in faith, we're walking in faith with a proficiency. This depth of skill in walking in the Spirit. And the Lord gave me five specific things, and we've been talking about them, but let me reiterate to you. Number one, He said, know the leading with a certainty. Know the way He leads you so clearly that it doesn't take any hesitation for you to act on His promptings. Know the leading with a certainty. Amen? And if you will make it your purpose to learn, the Holy Spirit will teach you. He'll teach you how He leads. He'll teach you to recognize His voice. He'll teach you His promptings. If you'll say, Holy Spirit, help me to identify when you're speaking to me so that I don't just think it's my idea and disregard it. So He said, know the leading with a certainty. He said, practice obedience. Number two, practice obedience. Practice. Now, again, this goes beyond don't disobey God. That is, of course, don't disobey. But practicing obedience is being quick to obey. It is recognizing my prompt obedience to an instruction. Because you and I have either said it or met somebody who's told us, The Lord dealt with me about doing that, but they haven't done it yet. And it might have been a year, two years, and they still haven't acted on what God dealt with them to do. So he said, number two, practice obedience. Number three, the Lord said, develop humility and the love walk. They go together. And he said, they need to be developed. No matter where you are in your humility and your love walk, you can gain a greater skill in those areas. Develop humility and the love walk. Hallelujah. And then he said, the fruit of the Spirit is vital. When I think of the word vital, I think of vital statistics. If you are are being checked out at a scene of an emergency, they check your vitals. They want to see how you're doing by checking your vital signs. How is your heartbeat? What is your, your... And so he says, this is vital, which means this is life to us. The fruit of the Spirit is vital. And then finally, he said, the trust in God, His ways and His words are safeguards. All three of those, trusting in God, trusting in His ways, trusting in His word... They are safeguards. We need those safeguards. And so we've been talking about some of these. We haven't covered all of them yet, and we we will probably go back and touch more on some that we've just 
uh, dealt with a little bit. Uh, but tonight I'm going to talk about an area of the fruit of the Spirit that is vital to us. And I want you to see it um, for more than just what most people take at face value. And so go with me to Romans chapter 4. We're going to talk about how to have strength in adversity with the fruit of joy. Romans chapter 4 is a, a chapter that talks about the faith of Abraham and gives us the faith of Abraham as a high watermark, a goal for us to, to set, a, 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 an application of faith that was accurately applied and gives to us a great example of applying our faith in this same way. But one of the things that he identifies in this application of faith is the use of giving glory to God. So let's begin in Romans chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace, to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, even God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. So we see different aspects of Abraham's application of faith. We see that the word, so shall your seed be, that was spoken to him, was his focus. And he believed in expectation, regardless of or despite, in light of the negative expectation that was presented to him by his body. He, we also see that he was not weak in faith. It says in verse 19, he was not weak. In verse 20, it says he was strong in faith. And in between those two declarations, we see some aspects that helped him not be weak, but yet to be strong. It says he considered not his own body, now dead. And our pastor has taught us how that in the original language, it's not saying that he didn't see his body or that he denied what his body said, but he, regardless, in spite of what his body was telling him, he did not consider that to be something that would stop the power of God from working in that situation. Even though his body was in the condition that it was in, that didn't stop God's word from coming to pass for him. Amen? And so he did not let that be his focus and he did not let that stop him from believing. 
And it says he staggered not at the promise of God. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. The word giving is a verb in a present progressive state. Present progressive means it is, we're, we're seeing it currently in progress. So what he's saying is he was strong in faith because there was a current action in progress during that time that he was strong in faith. While he was becoming strong in faith, what was going on behind the scenes? What was the action that was presently in progress? Giving glory to God helped him to maintain a strength. The joy of the Lord, Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10, the joy is what? So when you see joy, you need to put strength as an appropriate synonym for that word. You know, you, you look for a word and you say, what's another word that would fit right there? Well, when you see joy, strength is an appropriate definition in the Bible for joy. Joy is an appropriate definition for strength. So when it says in the book of Psalms that the, 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 they were equipped for battle and yet they, 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 were, um, they drew back in the day of battle because their strength was small. We could say they drew back in the day of battle because their joy was small. They weren't rejoicing. Amen? Because when you tap into the flow of joy, you tap into a spiritual strength. You tap into a supply of strength that comes to your spirit that cannot be accessed any other way. Hallelujah. So he was strong in faith with this present progressive Verb, action, giving, 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 giving. It didn't say because he gave, because it wasn't a one-time giving. He was giving. The whole time he was strong, he was giving glory. The whole time he was strong in faith, he was giving glory. Which would help us to identify what Romans says. In, let's go to Romans 15. Because I want you to see it in your... Your scripture, chapter 15, verse 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. There is a present progressive. If believing is presently in action, what else is going to be there? Joy and peace. They're companions to our faith. They are symptoms, they are indicators of our faith. Brother Keith Moore said the Lord told him that this little, this little poem, he said, faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. Doubt despairs, complains, and is sad. Isn't that a great description? Faith rejoices. Why? Because faith sees the end from the beginning. Faith calls those things that be not. So faith isn't sad. If someone looks with that desperate look on their face and they say, I'm believing God. I'm believing. I'm believing. They might want 
God to move in their situation. They might be hoping that God will come through. But when they move over into faith, there will be a flow of joy with the flow of faith because they are companions, they are symptoms, they are indicators. Joy and peace indicate faith is working. That's how we can examine ourselves to see if we be in faith. How can I examine? What am I looking for? I'm looking to see, do I have joy? What am I excited about? Am I excited? Do I expect it to come? If I expect it, then I'm not going to be crying about it. If I expect it, I'm not going to be sad about it. If I expect it to come out the way I believe God's going to do it, then I'm going to have an evidence a symptom, an indicator of joy. And so Abraham gave glory to God and as he was giving to glory to God, his faith was strong. Hallelujah. So we want to identify this giving glory. What is giving glory? Can we look at Luke 17? What do, how do I give glory to God? What, what is a, an appropriate way for me to give glory? What was he doing? Well, let's find an example here in Luke 17, beginning in verse 12. He, speaking of Jesus, entered into a certain village. There met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. With a loud voice, He glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So we have an example. We we see he lifted his voice. He verbally expressed gratitude. Thank you isn't thank you till we say thank you. Other men were healed here. Other men were cleansed here. Jesus immediately asks the question, were there not ten? Tell me, how excited do you think the nine were? Do you think they were glad they got to go home to their families? Do you think they were glad that they got to go get their jobs back? They were glad they got to go back and pull that that pull wood in their easy boy recliner, slide on back there, say, honey, can you bring me some sweet tea? Right? Was he glad to be home? And pie. They were glad about it. But only one came back to say thank you. Because thank you isn't thank you till you... They were excited. They were thrilled about it. They were, they were ecstatic about it. But thankful, they didn't come back to express it. And so Jesus said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God. 
How did he give glory? His gratitude. What is he saying? God did this. God healed me. You did this for me. Thank you. Thank you for healing me. Thank you. And so giving glory to God will require that we cultivate a, life of th of a lifestyle of thanksgiving, that we don't let any good thing happen to us, that we don't stop and give Him praise about it. Amen. Stop and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for doing that for me. Thank you for helping me here. Thank you for rescuing me in this situation. Thank you for giving me the wisdom to know what to do. Don't just assume that it was luck. There is no such thing as luck for the believer. No, it was God. It was His favor. It was His goodness. It was His covenant. It was God. So give Him the glory. Now... 2 Chronicles shows us an example of someone who just received an amazing gift from God and went their way as if it was no big deal. 2 Chronicles chapter 32 and verse 24. In those days Hezekiah was sick to the death. Now, do you remember when Isaiah talked about that God sent him to go into the king and tell the king to put your affairs in order because you're going to die? And then Isaiah leaves the king's chambers and he's walking out through the courtyard and in between the time he left the chambers and has walked through the courtyard, Hezekiah has turned his face to the wall and he's asked God for his mercy. He, Hezekiah changed his position, repented to the Lord, asked God for his mercy and God granted him an extension of life. He granted him an extension of time and healed him. And as Isaiah reaches the courtyard, God says, go back in and tell him, and he shows him this sign of the sundial being turned back. And so this is what this is referring to. Hezekiah was sick to the death. None of the physicians in the kingdom could heal him. There was no cure for what he had. God had already sent Isaiah to tell him, you're going to die, put your house in order. It wasn't God doing it, but God was letting him know, put your house in order. And so Hezekiah, it says, he prayed to the Lord and he spoke to him and he gave him a sign. So God healed him and gave him a sign that it was God who healed him. But the next verse is something for us to consider. It says, Hezekiah rendered not again to the benefit done to him. He rendered not again to the benefit done to him. Can you show me the amplified? The amplified of verse 25. Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit. The Amplified says, Hezekiah did not make return to the Lord 
return. God had done something for him and there was something Hezekiah was supposed to return. There was an appropriate return. An appropriate in line, it says, according to. According to. There was a return that, that had a measurement in line with what he had received. Let's say, for instance, that, that you walked up to someone and you said, hey, here's $20, I want to buy your lunch today. And you give them $20 and they say, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, that is so nice of you. I appreciate that, thank you so much. But then, take another example. What if somebody walked up and said, they pull out their checkbook and they say, I'd like to pay off your house today. Would you give them the same thank you that you would give somebody for the $20 to buy your lunch? Would it be a different measurement of thank you? Hallelujah. I'm reminded of when Ed Dufresne, Dr. Ed Dufresne, his plane went down over Kansas and, and when he left this world, there was things in his ministry, buildings that he was in the middle of building projects. There was a lot that he had going on on the line. And someone, the moment they heard about his plane going down, overnighted, the moment they heard, overnighted $100,000 to the Dufresne's ministry. When the plane had gone down, I believe it was a Friday, Pastor Nancy had gone in and asked the woman who was in charge of the financial department, she said, where are we? And she said, we didn't make last week's payroll. Today is payday and we don't have it for this week either. And so Pastor Nancy, this was on a Monday morning after the plane had gone down on Friday. She's there on Monday morning, so she said, I'm going to go home and paint my nail because I am not in charge of paying God's bills. I'm going to go home. There's nothing I can do about it. It's not in my purse. So I'm going to go home and paint my nail. She said, I turned on HGTV and started painting my nails because I was not going to give place to the thoughts that wanted to bombard my mind at that moment. And a few, uh, within an hour, I believe, when Francine called her back, she said, Pastor Nancy, I got a message, I got in the mail today an overnighted package with a check for $100,000, and Pastor Nancy said, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. And she said, call the staff together. She said, I'm going to let you, since you had to tell them we couldn't make payroll last Friday, I'm going to let you make the announcement. And so when they get, gathered all the staff together and they were able to tell them what the Lord had done uh, and that they were going to be getting paid and back pay for what they were, were uh, still in arrears for, she said, that gift made such an impact in their ministry, they never had lack again. They have continually from that time increased. But she said, I still will do things sporadically throughout the year to send to that minister 
thank you cards. She said, I'll send him a box of steaks to that minister who said, I just felt led of the Lord. He didn't have to wait two days. He didn't have to wait and pray about it. The moment he heard, he responded and it impacted that ministry and rescued that ministry at a time that the enemy would have loved to have caused such a a despair because of that situation. God was able to comfort them with that. But my point is, she still to this day continually sends thanks to that ministry for how they helped her and her ministry. Hallelujah. She's looking for ways to let that ministry know, I still appreciate what you've done. According to Hezekiah did not render according to. He did not make return to the Lord. The nine did not make the proper return. Only one came back to make a return and Jesus called it giving glory to God. The New Living of verse 29, New Living Translation says, Hezekiah did not respond appropriately. So there is an appropriate response for us to return to the Lord and that's giving glory to God. It's our gratitude, it's our lifted voice, it's our words to Him, it's our recognition. He did that. He didn't have to do it, but He did. He didn't have to do it. Lord, You're so good to me. Thank You, thank You, thank You, thank You, thank You. So notice that there is an appropriate return and it's called giving glory to God. Psalm chapter 50 and verse 23. We want to know how to give glory to God. Psalm chapter 50 and verse 23. Whoso offers praise glorifies me. How do we give glory to God? Whoso offers praise glorifies me, and to him that orders his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. So this offering of praise is giving God glory, as well as being thankful, verbalizing our thanks, lifting our voice with, with praises and thanksgiving. This is a way that we glorify God. So it may not necessarily even be about the thing you're believing for. You're not limited just to stay right there on that one thing that you're believing for and say, Father, I believe you that I'm the healed. I thank you for it. I thank you for it. I thank you for it. But it is a fresh uh, expression of praise. Lord, you're so good to me. Thank you for your favor. Lord, you're a covenant-keeping God. Thank you for your covenant. You are so faithful to me. Lord, you've been faithful. Amen. Amen. You're offering praise. Now, I, I like to look at Hebrews chapter 13 as well when I'm uh, recognizing this offering of praise because... I want you to see it clearly. Hebrews 13, 15. I want you to be accurate in this because there have been some times that that sometimes it gets uh, taken over to mean something that is not uh, in line. 
with what the Word of God is telling us here. Hebrews 13, 15, By Him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. The sacrifice of praise to God is what? The fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. And this is what I mean by sometimes people have taken it to mean something different. They look at the word sacrifice and they bring it into our society's uh, meaning for that was really a sacrifice for me to do that, meaning that was a hardship for me. That was difficult for me. And they want to pull that into this scripture and say, yeah, it's when it's hard for you to praise God. That, that sacrifice of praise where there's, you don't want to be praising God. You don't feel like praising God, but praise the Lord. It's a sacrifice to me. Scripturally, a sacrifice is your best. Scripturally, bringing a sacrifice to God was bringing your best to God, bringing your first to God, bringing Him something that was, that was meaningful to you, that was of value to you. It doesn't mean the sacrifice of praise is praising God when I don't feel like praising Him. Oh, it was a sacrifice for me to praise Him. It's never a sacrifice for me to praise the one who washed me in his blood. That's never a hardship for me. That's never a hardship. Are there times that my flesh might not feel like it? Who is listening to their flesh? Is anybody in here listening to your flesh to obey the word? I don't think so. We don't check our flesh to find out if today's a good day to pray. We don't check with our flesh to find out is this the day that the Lord has made. No, no, no. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This isn't about a sacrifice for me to praise because my flesh was having a bad day. The sacrifice of praise is the fruit of our lips giving thanks. That's what the sacrifice of praise is. It's bringing our joy to Him, bringing our, our zeal to Him. Yes, there's a disciplining of the flesh. Yes, there's a putting under of the flesh. Your flesh doesn't always feel like praising. Your flesh doesn't always feel like lifting your hands or lifting your voice. But we don't consult our flesh to act out the spiritual instructions of God. We consult the Word and the Word tells us this is an appropriate response. So when in Nehemiah's day, in Nehemiah chapter 8, when that verse that we so often refer to, the joy of the Lord is your strength. They had just read the scripture. The people were crying. And the leaders were saying, no, 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 no. That's not the appropriate response. They wanted to cry, but they said, no, no, no. That's not the appropriate response. This is a day that's holy to the Lord. We will rejoice. And so you need to be prepared For the building, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So don't cry, rejoice. Amen? This is the day that the Lord has made. Scripture says, what are we going to do? I will rejoice. Why? Because it's a day. If you can find a day that He didn't make, 
But every day is a day the Lord has made, so every day rejoicing is appropriate. Why? We're talking about strong in faith, giving glory to God. How do I remain strong in faith? Well, faith doesn't consult its feelings either. How do I stay strong in faith? I maintain the other spiritual flows that help me strengthen my faith, that help me to provide the spiritual nutrition and the spiritual elements for me to stand, the spiritual elements for me to be able to overcome, for me to be able to keep my eyes on the the ability of God to move in my situation. I've got to shut the volume off on my flesh. If my flesh has my ear, it's going to be singing the hee-haw blues. Gloom, despair, and agony on you. (laughs) I don't listen to my flesh because it does not have the truth in it. It's not giving me the the impulses or the motivation that's going to lead me into the fullness of the faith. So what have I got to listen to? I've got to listen to what the, the Word says, what the Spirit says, and He says rejoice in the Lord when? Every day is an appropriate day to rejoice. So it's not a sacrifice in the way that, of a hardship to worship or to praise or to give Him thanks. Amen. So the sacrifice is not a hardship, it's our offering. The Amplified says, Through Him therefore let us constantly and at all times, constantly and at all times, offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, an offering of praise. Is that what Psalm 50 said? He who offers praise glorifies me. Let us offer up to God a sacrifice of praise which is the fruit of lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify His name. Praise requires verbal action. We've got to employ our mouth. We've got to have the atmosphere in our home supercharged with praise. We need the atmosphere in our car supercharged with praise. We need to be speaking words of praise, words of thanksgiving. Make it a lifestyle. Open up your mouth throughout the day. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. It's something that is just second nature to me now. It was so foreign to me when I first got saved because I had not been in a church that lifted their... I had not been in any church. I had been in, in the streets, in the, in the drug houses, in the bars. I had not ever been in church and here I come to church and there, praise the Lord, hallelujah, glory to God. But I had to develop this lifestyle of constantly speaking out words of praise. And now when I do it, it's not something that I'm always... Um, mentally aware of and other people like I've, I've been around family members maybe who aren't Christians and they're like what'd you say? It shocks them that I, I was like oh I just said praise the Lord. Thank you Jesus. Because 
it's something that I'm, I'm working to have a continual flow of thanksgiving and praise coming out of my mouth. The fruit of the lips, the Amplified says that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify His name. Hosea 14. Hosea 14. And I'm going to want the Amplified at verse 1. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for you have fallen by your iniquity. I'm in King James, but I'm going to, you stay right there and amplify. Uh, take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say unto Him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously, so will we render the calves of our lips. Now amplify, now what does that mean, calves of our lips? It's, they're using this as a way of expression now, Amplified helps us. Uh, back up to the previous slide, if you would, please, sir. Um, due to your iniquity, verse 2, take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to Him, take away all our iniquity, accept what is good, and receive us graciously, so will we render our thanks. See that rendering? Returning. Returning to the Lord, render our thanks as bullocks to be sacrificed. So they were using this analogy, this, this expression to use the praises of their lips as a way of, of saying just like they sacrifice the bulls or sacrifice the animals, our praises, our, our giving thanks are like those sacrifices. That giving thanks, one more time, that previous verse, we will render our thanks as bullocks to be sacrificed. We will render our thanks as an offering or as a sacrifice to you. How do we glorify God? Giving thanks. How do we glorify God? Offering praises. So this... Idea of joy is often something people keep in one certain category. They say joy is for when great things happen. But I'm seeing that joy helps great things happen. <laughs> I'm seeing that Abraham used joy, that rejoicing, to help him maintain his faith strength he used joy in a time that before there was anything to rejoice about he was using joy as a tool he was using joy as a weapon and when we begin to identify in the scripture for instance let's look at first peter that joy is something that needs to be put to work, not just when something happens that I'm responding with joy, but that I'm allowing that joy to provide the strength while I'm facing difficult situations. First Peter, let's look first of all at chapter 1 and verse 5. First Peter 1, 5 
who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day, wherein you greatly rejoice, kept by the power of God through what? Faith unto salvation. So faith, they're kept by the power through what? So faith that's going to work out for their salvation or work out for their rescue, work out to bring them out of this. And so in you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. Many faceted, multifaceted difficulties. What are they doing in the middle of multifaceted difficulties? Greatly rejoicing. This is what they're doing while they're under attack, while they're facing adversity, while they're dealing with situations and circumstances that are hard on the mind and hard on the flesh and hard on the emotions. How are they spiritually responding to this so that they could stay in faith that would bring them out? Greatly rejoicing. Greatly not not a little bit of rejoicing, not random rejoicing, not every once in a while rejoicing. They pulled out the big guns. They got great rejoicing going on. They are they are rejoicing at another level. Why? Because the joy brings strength. And rejoicing is to do your joy again. If you repaint something, you paint something that's been painted once before. If you rewrite something, you write something that's been written once before. If you rejoice, you're doing a joy that you've done in the past, but you need to do it again because you need a steady flow coming into your situation of strength to bring spiritually the fortitude to help you stay in faith. Greatly rejoicing. Now let's also look at chapter 4. Wait, wait, wait. Go back. I'm not done at 1 Peter 1. Stay in 1. You greatly rejoice that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The trial of your faith, your faith being put to the test. What's, what are we wanting to see out of it? When your faith is under fire, when your faith is under pressure, what, what, what is He wanting? That it might be found unto praise and honor and glory. Verse 8, whom having not seen, speaking of Jesus, having not seen, you love Him, in whom, though now you see Him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. You haven't seen, but you're doing what? You're believing, and what? You're believing and... You rejoice, you're believing and you rejoice 
If you're in faith, we need to hear the sound of joy coming from your house. If you're in faith, what are you going to sound like? There's going to be a lot of rejoicing going on. You, you are believing. You rejoice with joy unspeakable. And what's in the joy? Glory. Full of glory. Because what happens when you're rejoicing and offering praise to Him? He's, you're giving Him glory. So there's glory in the joy. So if the atmosphere in your home is saturated with joy, there's glory in your home. If you need the, the situation, if it's heavy, and you know depression is real. It's a, there's a heaviness that the enemy brings with oppression and depression that comes on people and they feel it. Well, you know what? Out of your spirit, you begin to rejoice and there's more strength in your joy and it will lift that depression up off you. It'll push it out of the room. It, it, the depression cannot overcome the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. If you'll let joy be the main flow, it'll continually flush that depression and flush that oppression out of the atmosphere. So if your home begins to feel heavy, if you're dealing with situations and it just seems dark and you just want to pull the covers up and turn the lights off and begin to cry, then you need to recognize that's not going to help me right now. That's not going to give me the strength. If you, if you begin that crying, you're going to grow weaker. You're going to become more sad. You're going to just be uh, uh, yielding to that. But if instead you'll begin to say, I can at least lift my hands and say, Lord, you've been good to me. And, and just start right there. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you, Lord, that if I leave this earth, I'm going to be instantly in your presence. And then just begin to think. Put your mind. If you'll keep your mind stayed on Him, He'll keep you in perfect peace. So this rejoicing is not just for when things happen that invoke us or provoke in us a response of happiness. Yes, praise God, when things happen, I'm going to rejoice. But most of the time you see me dancing, I'm dancing about something. I'm not dancing because of something that I can see yet. I'm dancing because I'm believing. I'm dancing because I believe God's faithful to do what He said He would do in that situation. I'm dancing because He's already spoke to me. And I'm dancing in advance. I'm rejoicing in advance. Hallelujah. A lot of the times that I'm rejoicing, it's, it's just because of who He is. Rejoicing isn't about what's going on. If you only rejoice when something goes on, you're missing the whole point of joy. Rejoicing is, he, it's about Him. And He never changes. And since He never changes, my joy doesn't ever have to change. <laughs> my rejoicing never has to go up and down and, 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 and head, hit low levels. No, because He hasn't changed. Amen. And I'm rejoicing in Him. He is my joy. So it says, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Verse 9, what happens when I'm believing and rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of glory? I am receiving the end. Of my faith. 
the, the, what my faith is producing. When am I receiving it? When I'm believing and rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I am receiving. Hallelujah. So with joy you shall draw water out of the wells of salvation, Isaiah chapter 12 says. With joy you shall draw out of the well. With joy you shall draw out the well of rescue. With joy you'll draw out of the wells of salvation. You'll draw the living water out. You'll draw out the strength that you need. You'll draw out the help that you need. You'll draw out the wisdom that you need. Joy is a container that reaches into a place that nothing else is going to reach into. Hallelujah. So when do I need that? Only when something good happens to provoke me to joy? No, I need it when I am dealing with these multifaceted difficulties. Okay, now go to chapter 4. Chapter 4 and verse 12. 1 Peter 4. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. What do you do? Rejoice. Don't sit around and say, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening? No, no, don't think that's strange. And don't waste time asking all those questions. Rejoice. Rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. So he said the way to deal with the fiery trial is with joy. Can we see some examples of it? Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, verse 40. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, <laughs> they were beaten for preaching in Jesus' name and healing the man at the gate beautiful. When they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing. How do they deal with this attack? With joy. With joy. How do we deal with the attacks? With joy. How do we deal with multifaceted temptations and adversities? We rejoice. Acts chapter 16, verse 23. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang the blues. Prayed and cried, woe is me. Prayed 
and, and begged God to get them out of this situation. No. They prayed and they got glad about it. I'm glad about it. I'm glad about it. I'm not glad about what I've just gone through, but I'm glad about the one I serve. I'm glad about my name being written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm, I'm glad about that covenant I have sealed with His blood. I'm glad. I still have something to be glad about. I'm glad that I'm not alone. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. I'm glad. They sang praises unto God. So they're giving glory to God. Whoever offers praises glorifies me. So in the middle of their difficult situation, they are praising God. And what happens? We know there was an earthquake that only affected the locks and their bondages. A supernatural manifestation of the liberation power of God to set them free. Hallelujah. Second Chronicles 20. I'm moving through them fast because I just want you to see the response because I want you to know how to respond in difficult situations. If you'll learn this, it, you'll come through things so much easier. You'll, you'll come through it with strength and not have to hang on with the knot at the end of the rope. We're not survivors. We're overcomers. We're more than conquerors. We're not just trying to hold on. We're not coming up the rough side of the mountain. Hallelujah. We are more than conquerors. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. They were surrounded by armies and Jehoshaphat began to seek God and when he prayed, he didn't pray sad prayers. It says he set himself to seek the Lord in verse 3. And then we began to see how he prayed. Verse 6, O Lord God of our fathers, are not thou God in heaven? That's a great way to start talking to God when you're surrounded by the enemy. Just talk to God about how big God is. How amazing He is. How powerful He is. You are the God in heaven. And you rule over all the kingdoms of the heathen. And in your hand is there not power and might. We're not talking about God, did you see how many armies there are encamped against us? He hadn't even, he's not even bringing that up. Not even, not even talking the details. God knows. God knows. He doesn't need the details. He doesn't need you to read the WebMD report off the Google search you made. He doesn't need for you to rehearse to him how many other people in your family have been diagnosed with that. He doesn't need you to rehearse all of the what ifs and what could. What is helping you at this time is to give glory to God because there's strength. And so that's what Jehoshaphat is doing. He's glorifying God. In your hand is there not power and might so that none 
is able to withstand you? Are you not our God? Now he's bringing him, you're my God. You're bringing him personal to me. You're on my side. I'm on your side. We're, we're in this together, Lord. Are you not our God who, drive, who did drive out the inhabitants of this land? Now he's rehearsing what God has done. You did drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and you gave it to the seed of Abraham, your friend, forever. And they dwell therein and have built you a sanctuary then for your name, saying, If when evil comes upon us as the sword, judgment or pestilence or famine, we stand before this house and in your presence, for your name is in this house, and then we cry unto you in our affliction, then you will hear and help. Now, he's saying, I'm doing what you told me to do. When we are under attack, you told me to come here and to call upon you. And now, behold, now he's finally got to the issue. He's finally dealing with the problem. But now the problem seems so small in comparison to how great and mighty God is. Do you see that? Because when you're rejoicing, you magnify Him. When you're rejoicing and worshiping God, you magnify Him. And then your problem looks smaller. And God looks larger. God looks greater. The more you rehearse what He's already done, the more you, you see Him bigger in your estimation. You see His faithfulness. If you keep your mouth shut and the oppression and the worry and the pressure, if you let that have its operation without any joy as a resistance against those things, if you don't lift up that joy and begin to resist those pressures and that oppression, then you're, you're, you're not using your defense mechanism. You're not accessing the strength that's available. So we see Jehoshaphat has given us an example. He started out with exalting God, glorifying God, uh, recognizing God's ability. And then he gets down and talks about the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came up out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say how they reward us to come to cast us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that comes against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are on you. I'm depending on you, Lord. I'm trusting in you. We're coming to you. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And then a man of God, Jehaziel, stood up, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he says, Hearken ye, all Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, 
and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness in Jeruel. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out. Let me tell you what I don't see. I don't see God telling them to send the praisers out. God told them they won't need to fight. But in all that word that came from the Spirit of the Lord, He never said, you send the praisers out. No. They decided to do that right here in verse 21 when he consulted with the people. He, Jehoshaphat, appointed singers that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and that they were to say, praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. Why would he choose to do that? The reason is what he just said, believe God. But if, if we believe God, we're not going to fight. So why would I send out the archers? And why would I send out the, the, the cattle, cavalry? Why would I send out the, the people with the swords? If God said we don't need to fight, well, let's just, let's just go ahead and praise Him. So let's send the praisers out because we don't need to send the army out. God said we don't need them. He's going to, this battle is not ours. They chose, they in their response of faith, in their giving glory to God, Abraham was strong in faith. Giving glory to God. What were they doing? Let's go ahead and give God glory because we believe God. It was an expression of faith. It was an action birthed from their faith to send the praise team out and to be the praise team. Come on, worship team. To be the praise team going out against three armies that are arrayed in full battle gear. I'm the front line. And I'm going to give God praise. Hallelujah. Why? Because God inhabits the praises. The word inhabits means to sit upon the throne. When we begin to praise Him, we provide a throne for Him to dominate that situation. And they, it says, when they began to sing 
and to praise. The Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. When? When they began to sing and to praise. Hallelujah. When the Apostle James was contacted by various people in the body of Christ who are suffering under persecution, he said, count it all joy when you fall into diverse, multifaceted attacks, diverse temptations. What do you do? Count it all joy. The Berkeley translation says, count it maximum joy. This isn't time for level 2 joy, level 4 joy, level 5 joy. Crank it. Max out that joy. This is time for maximum joy. That great rejoicing. Why? Because when, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard and we've got to give Him a flow in our lives for Him to raise that standard up. Amen? And joy is a flow. Of faith. Joy is the flow of strength for our lives. Hallelujah. I have no idea what time it is. I'm up here with no device to give me my time. So I don't know if I need to repent or not. But regardless, let's honor the Lord with our tithe and our offering tonight before we dismiss. Have you received something tonight? I believe this is vital. He said the fruit of the Spirit is vital and joy is a fruit of the Spirit that is often overlooked and underdeveloped in the lives of God's people. But not in you faith builders. You faith builders are going to be a joyful bunch. Amen? Strong in the Lord and in His joy. As we prepare to honor the Lord in our giving tonight, if you would like an envelope, they're available in the pocket of the chair in front of you. Hallelujah. If you are giving through text to give, we have that, in, that option available. And the information is on the screen. If you're joining us through live stream, we have a link as well at buildfaith.net that you can participate in this offering to the Lord. Hallelujah. As we prepare to sow tonight, uh, I'm going to just ask them to show us uh, our progress with our Project 2414 as we've entered into this year in a paid-for flow paid in advance, and increasing. We also have our Ezra project. We, we discussed it today, but I'm not sure that I saw any slide about it. So praise God. We are making our preparation for what God has in store for our own place, our more than enough place with more than enough parking and more than enough facilities for all of our children and youth ministries. Praise God. We rejoice for that. As you are ready, let's stand to our feet tonight. Thank you, Lord. Ushers, if you'll come. Lift your seed to the Lord and say this with me. Father, I give in faith, in obedience to your word, and with a desire to honor you. Thank you, Lord for the blessing, for the multiplication upon my seed.
In Jesus' name. Amen. Come rejoicing. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Praise God. So good to see everyone here this evening. I encourage you, we have healing school on Tuesdays at 10.30. Hallelujah. We have Wednesday night service at 7 on Wednesdays. We hope to see you come and receive of the word. Father, we lift up our offerings of praise to you. We lift up these seeds, these tithes that represent our honor, Father, for you and for your word. Lord, I pronounce over your people the blessing that causes them to increase and to abound to every good work. Father, that you would cause them to prosper in every work of their hand. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise God. Thank you, gentlemen. Hallelujah. Say this with me. The vision of our church is to build people's faith and to frame their world by the word of God. You and I will always be world changers. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this message. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or want to share how this message has helped you, send us an email at main at buildfaith.net. This message and many more materials are available to you free of charge, can be found at buildfaith.net or at any of our location media stores. As always, keep the switch of faith turned on and build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God.